we're going we're gonna to actually be looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 for the next few weeks. But I want to read that, and then we'll go to Psalm 119 to gain more insight uh, from that. I'm all tangled up with all my wires here today. Psalm 119. So, you know, as I was thinking about all of this, uh, there's so many things that are going on around us in our country right now, and over the last few months, you know, it definitely seems like unprecedented times, especially, I, I guess at least for us today, it seems it, it is unprecedented times, but in all of this, I was thinking about the church's response to all the things that are going on around us, the, from being isolated from one another for weeks and months to the response of the church to seeing injustices going on around us to the response of the church to seeing people then respond to injustices by breaking into uh, independent business owners and taking their livelihood there is so much going on, and the church can't be silent in these things, but we also have to be very, very careful that we don't respond out of our own wisdom, out of our own thoughts, out of our own sometimes just simple political leanings. We can't respond out of those things, but we have to be people that respond out of the wisdom that comes from God, that the words that come out of my mouth in response to the situations around us are not based on my feelings, it's not based on what I think, but it's based on understanding what God's Word says, what He desires of His people, and how then we should be people who, the Bible says that we are to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative, it is an agent of preservation, meaning then that we should be people who are preserving the sacred things of God in the world around us. So, if that is the case, we cannot be people who speak out of our own wisdom because our wisdom is meaningless. You see, it's a good thing when we finally come to the point as uh, individual Christians and as the church when we recognize that I, I have nothing in myself of eternal value. I have no words that can possibly sway the human heart. I can't, I can't out of my own wisdom speak to somebody else and in any way get them then to uh, be transformed. You see, what, what we're going for when we talk to people in the world people that don't know Christ, what we're going for when we sit in classrooms and somebody teaches you or when we sit in here or when you sit in your devotional times. What we're going for is not reformation of behaviors, but transformation in the foundations of who we are by the Spirit of God. You see, that's not something that I can have. I, I can't do anything for somebody else when it comes to transformation. I can speak to them. The truths of God, I can speak to them out of the Spirit, but it has to come from God. The transformation comes from God. So you can be sure then, if that is the case, that my wisdom, my own thoughts, my own opinions will never do anything to affect transformation in the hearts of somebody else. You see, what happens here when we accept Christ, when we walk with Him, the point of what we're doing here is that each one of us, there's never a moment where we stop growing and being transformed. The Bible says that we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. That means that the moment that I receive Christ and salvation, that begins the point of, of transformation. When does that stop? The moment that I draw my last breath. Right? There should never be a moment where we stop being transformed 
by the Spirit of God to reflect who He is. Now that means that when I am transformed to reflect who He is, I take on His worldview. My worldview becomes His worldview. It's not my own anymore. So the way that I respond to things around me come from the wisdom that shapes the lens by which I view the world around me. You see, we can't be people who just respond out of our opinion or political leanings or our feelings, but we have to be people who have a biblical worldview that reflects who God is, His nature, what He desires in the earth, what He desires of us, and how He desires to relate to us. All of those things have to go into a worldview. And I, I guess my point today is that we have to get back to the simplicity of uh, what God desires in His church because He wants to transform us so that our desires, our thoughts, our emotions, our, uh, the things that we say reflect who He is. He wants to transform us so that happens. But you see, there is a simplicity in the church that exists or can exist that leads us into that place. But too many times we get caught up in doing so many things that it chokes the life out of the church and we miss the simplicity that leads us into the presence of God where he wants to just simply transform us. And we're going to look at that today. I'll explain that more as we go. But let me read Acts 2.42 and then we're going to go to Psalm 119. You can turn to Psalm 119 starting in verse 97. But what I want to look at over the next few weeks is just the simple things that the church was devoted to in the beginning. What was it? Right in the beginning, when Christ formed the church, right after his resurrection, what were the things that they saw as worthy of their time and effort and talent and ability? So Acts 2.42, this is what we're going to be looking at the next few weeks. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. And we're going to be looking at this morning, we're going to be looking at the teaching of God. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see, in the beginning, the church, when it was formed, in the simplicity of the beginning of the church, before the life was choked out of the church by trying to do a million different things and come up with different programs to try to get people saved, before all of that, they devoted themselves to the simplicity of the gospel message. The simplicity of this today is that they devoted to themselves to the teaching of God. And we're going to go back to Psalm 119 because I believe that we can gain some understanding then of the effect of the teaching of God, the effect of the counsels of God, the effect of his principles in our lives as we read through Psalm 119. So starting in verse 97, it says, uh, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet. In a light to my path, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So I'm just going to kind of break it down and see there's so much that is contained 
not only just in these verses, but if you read through Psalm 119 as a whole, it is all about the words of God, the, the counsels of God that is speaking to the heart of man. But just in these few verses here, there's so many things that we can pull from this to understand the effect of being devoted to God's teaching in his counsel. The first thing we're going to look at here is simply uh, the God's word teaches us how to live here. Uh, now, if... Um, Ravi Zacharias always talked about uh, there are four fundamental questions for humanity. It's, it's equal across everyone in humanity, the four fundamental questions of life. The questions are, how did I get here? Why am I here? How do I live here? And where am I going? All of those questions people are asking in different ways. And this, what we're reading here in Psalm 105, uh, answers one of those questions. God's Word, it tells us that God's Word answers one of those questions. God's, words, God's teaching, His principles, teach us how to live here. Uh, again, it says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God's Word is like a lamp in the midst of darkness, revealing our path. It shows hidden danger. It keeps us from stumbling. It keeps our feet from turning off the narrow path. Now, I, I, th- I don't know if I've talked about this before, but when I was younger, uh, you know, in high school, we, uh, we went catfishing a lot. I love catfishing. I haven't found a good spot here yet, so if anyone knows of a good place, see me after. Uh, but we would go, you know, we'd, we would go out at probably like maybe 7 o'clock in the evening, and we'd stay out till like 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so we would take lanterns and flashlights because the the main place that we went, we would go on this back dirt road in the town where I lived, and we're like probably a mile out there. And uh, you'd we would stop at this uh, gate and walk probably a half mile back through this gate to there was a big hole down in the river down there, uh, and we would just sit there all night. But on the way out at two o'clock in the morning, it would be pretty intense trying to walk out that difficult path without light. Right, because there were—I uh, remember there were like—I uh, don't know what they were from, but there were even pipes sticking through the path. There were different ruts from people driving through there. There were uh, countless things that you could walk over and trip over on that path. And at two o'clock in that morning, you didn't realize uh, until the light was shined, you didn't see all of the danger that was in the path. It was very winding. It was all over the place. If we didn't have a light, we never would have, uh, somebody would have gotten hurt at some point. We would have gotten lost. We would have walked around in many different places until we finally found the way out, right? So the point is that that is exactly what God's word does in our life is it shows us all of the dangers that are in our path. It shows us all of the the uh, things that will trip us up. It shows us all of the things that uh, uh, you know, we can fall over or get hurt over. It shows us the ways that the, the path winds. It shows us where the path is narrow. It shows us what is ahead of us. You see, too many times people don't understand the darkness that is within their souls until the light of God shines within them and reveals the nature of our hearts. I was, I think we were at Jamie's mom's house uh, a few weeks ago and, and, uh, I was trying to get a bottle uh, for Riley or her cup. And uh, it was one of those times where I walked out in the kitchen. I think the stuff was in the dishwasher. And uh, I couldn't find the top of the cup. And it was getting kind of dark outside, and I was too lazy to walk over and turn the light switch on, right? 
So I tried to make it happen myself. I tried to figure out where the thing was at. I couldn't find it. And finally I thought, well, maybe I should finally turn the light on. And I had no idea how dark it actually was until I turned the light on. Has anybody ever had that happen? You don't realize how dark it actually is until you turn the light on. You realize, wow, it's pretty dark in here. No wonder I couldn't find it. You see, that is what happens in our souls without God's Word. Number one, there are people that know nothing of God who have no idea that they are stumbling around in darkness. They have no idea. All they can hope for in life is to to kind of stumble through hoping for some sort of positive outcome. That's all they have. They don't understand. They don't realize that they are totally blind. You see, but it is also possible, I believe, for those who are believers... I think the Bible makes the case that there are some people that are right on the edge. The Bible talks in Romans 2 about presuming on the kindness of God. And His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You see, there is a moment where we can be pretty foolish. There's a moment where I can continue to do my own thing. I think the Bible teaches even as a believer. Now that's a dangerous place to be, the Bible teaches us. And at some point, God cuts that off and says, enough is enough. That's it. But you see, in that moment, somebody is stumbling around with that sort of dim darkness in their soul, all the while thinking, I can find the top to the cup myself without having to turn the light on. You see, there are people stumbling around. Even in our churches, there are people stumbling around. They have no idea how dark it actually is in their soul. But if they would step into the light, if they would step into what God has provided for us, His Word as a lamp to our feet and light for our path, the moment that they would step into that and commit themselves to that, they would realize the darkness in their soul that has kept them from the fullness of life that God offers to us today. Uh, There's a lot more that we could say about that today, but uh, I think we'll move on for now. God's Word teaches us how to live here. We also understand from what the psalmist writes here that God's Word is alive to those who are teachable. In verse 102, it says, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. And verse 108, accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth, and teach me your laws. Ellicott's commentary said this, An earnest desire after fuller knowledge is the basis of all healthy Christian life, believing they were eager for more light to be poured on their half-seeing eyes. You see, the mark of healthy spirituality, spirituality and walk with God is the desire to know God more and more, to submit ourselves to His teaching, uh, that we would desire to be taught by Him so that our eyes may be true as we view the world around us. Uh, So what that means is that I would desire that my eyes would be true based on His teaching. Meaning when I see the world around me, as we talked about in the beginning, that my worldview wouldn't be my own anymore, but my eyes would be true. Meaning I have spiritual insight when I view the situations around me. Whether it's situations with my children, my family, your spouse, uh, your work, whatever it is, the things that are going on in our culture right now, that my eyes would be true. Meaning that it is my eyes are not 
dimmed by the darkness in my heart, but I have the light of God shining within my soul, revealing His nature to me, revealing His character, revealing His desires and intentions among mankind, revealing the culture of heaven, and as the Word of God says, that your will will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You see, there comes a point when we are able to discern those things through the Spirit of God, and I am able to walk in Him, My vision is true because it is spiritual vision. And that is the place where we come to where we are a preservation agent, salt or light in a world of darkness. But that comes only only to those who desire the teaching of God within their hearts. You see, that's not as common as you would think. It's easy for us to come to the place where we just want certain aspects of Christianity. We want certain aspects of who God is, but we reject others. I've heard that from people's mouths. I've heard that from people who say, uh, who have said, you know, there are certain things in the Bible I just take, I just take what I think, uh, I just go by what I think God would want today. People actually say those things. I've heard it. Or they reject God's word altogether. I just, I just pray and Go with what I feel that God would want. You see, God will not move in that kind of heart. God desires to move in those who are teachable. Part of being teachable is walking in agreement with what God says in His Word, with what He reveals in His Word. Now that means when something comes from God's Word, whether I like it or not, I agree with Him, that he is the one who transcends this world. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. Everything is under him. He is the one who is in authority. Everything is under his feet. And I agree with him whether I feel like this is best, whether I like it or not. I agree that what he is saying in his word is best. And I order my life after that because I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe that his word is unchangeable, eternal, that it is fully true in every way. And I understand that whether I like this or not, my life is best lived when I order it after what he has spoken. You see, we have to be people who are teachable. We have to be willing to lay aside everything within us, everything that I want, everything that I desire, everything that I know. And follow God's word where it leads. We can't just decide, well, this, this issue here, I'm not sure that the Bible speaks to that today. We can't be people who do that. You see, we have to be people who, as the psalmist said here, I gain understanding from your precepts. Uh, accept, O Lord, the willing praise from my mouth and teach me your laws. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. You see, we have to be people who lay ourselves before him desiring his teaching in our heart, and then desiring to order my life after his teaching. God's word teaches us. God's word comes alive to those who are teachable. The next thing we see here is that God's statutes statutes or principles preserve life. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 107 says, I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. I have suffered much. Preserve my life according to your word. You see, God's word is what sustains his people. 
God's word is what he has given us to provide nourishment for our souls. We see that in the words of Jesus. When he was tempted by Satan, as he was in uh, the wilderness fasting, he was tempted by Satan. And Satan offered him uh, uh, you know, food in that moment when he was uh, so weak. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. You see, what we're, not, what we're talking about here is not just simple lengthening of the days of man, but that life would be preserved according to his word. Not just simply that we would get a few more years in life, but that our life would be preserved, our very uh, being would be preserved according to his principles. That's not, not just, again, the length of my days, but my very life, my very soul, everything within me, everything that I have would be preserved according to his word and his truths. What does he promise to the life of those who walk with him? He promises a living hope. We've talked about that before in First Peter. He talks about how we have been born through the resurrection of Christ into a living hope into an inheritance where we are, as the Bible says, co-heirs with Christ of all things. We are co-heirs with Him of all things. He promises fullness of life. He promises peace, joy, righteousness. Over and over you will find through the Scriptures that God makes promises to those who walk with Him. We're not talking about just simply gaining a few more days, but that our very being, everything that we are, would be preserved in the promises of God, all that He has offered to me, that I would step into those things and walk in those things now, walk in His promises now as we walk through this world. You see, just lengthening the days of man is meaningless. There is not in the end, what does it matter if my life goes 90 or 100 years old, but that I don't know the promises of God in their fullness and I don't walk in those things? The length of days are meaningless. What we are talking about is the benefit of walking in God is that my life would be preserved by His principles. And then that my days would actually be meaningful in this world. God's principles preserve life. Almost done here. We see then that God's teaching is great wealth and glory. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. We're talking about heritage. Uh, That word can also mean inheritance. Your statutes are my heritage or inheritance forever. They are the joy of my heart. You see, The heritage that he is talking about here is uh, the psalmist is saying uh, that God's word is great wealth or honor or glory, something that he willingly chooses to lay hold of. You see, we are born into the family of God through Christ, and in that, again, made co-heirs with him of all things. We are given a living hope in him, that his word preserves life. 
that it is a lamp for us and a light to our path. Everything that is necessary for us to have life and godliness, the Word of God says, He has given to us. Everything that is necessary for life and godliness. How do we know those things? Through His Word that He has revealed to us. Through the principles of God that He has revealed to us. Psalm 19 says this about God's Word. It says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous they are more precious than gold, more than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. You see, God's people have to be people that understand that His Word is more valuable than any treasure of this earth. And not only do I get to just simply read His Word, not only do I get to memorize His Word and know His Word, but I get to take that as my very inheritance. His word that preserves life. His word that is a lamp. His word that brings renewal and refreshment. His word that is more precious than any treasure on this earth. I get to step into that and take that as my very inheritance. What more could you find? What more could you want in this world? It gives you all of those things. All of the promises that God has laid out for His people are contained in His Word. And I get to lay hold of those things as I take that as my inheritance. There's nothing else. There's no other heritage that could be greater. There's no other inheritance that I would rather have than all of the promises that God has laid out for His people. You see, we have the opportunity to say with a sincere heart with the psalmist that I recognize that your word brings refreshment and renewal and light and preservation. I recognize all of these things and I willingly take that then as my heritage, as my inheritance. What that implies when we say that is that I will immerse myself in this because I can know the mind of my God. I can know what it means to walk with Him in an intimate relationship. Not just simply words on a page that the Bible says, here, do this and this and this. It's talking about a living relationship that through these principles, I can step into a living relationship with the God that has created all things. And not just the God that has created all things, but a God who desires to know, and He does know, but He desires to be connected to me in the very depths of my soul. That there is nothing in my heart that is too small for Him to be concerned about that He desires to know me and walk with me. And as the Bible says, that Christ left this place in heaven, and the Bible says that He stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door of every man's heart, knocking, waiting for somebody to open the door and willingly say that, yes, all of the things that you are offering me, I take them as my heritage, as my inheritance. God's Word is great wealth and glory for the people that would receive it, as an inheritance. This is the last thing. The principles of God then are worthy of our devotion. Again, Acts, Acts 2.42 said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In Psalm 119, verse 106, he says, I have taken an oath and confirmed it. I will follow your righteous laws. I have taken an oath and confirmed it. I will follow your righteous laws. You see, our profession of faith in Christ, our profession of Christ as our Savior is as solemn as it is joyous. 
Meaning that the moment that I receive him, that I am stepping into something beyond myself, where I am committing myself to an actual relationship. In that moment that I receive him, it's not just that I get to have my ticket punched to go to heaven, but I am committing myself to a relationship that requires my intention, that requires my thought, requires my purpose, my emotions, my affections to walk in that relationship. God's teaching is the revelation of himself to mankind. He has revealed his nature, his desires, his emotions. He has revealed to us uh, that which is valuable to himself. The things that God values in this earth, he has revealed those things to us. Psalm 119, says, My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. See, we have to be people who are willing to devote ourselves to something. We have to be people who, who are willing to give our energy, our time, and our effort, our focus to something. It is easy for us in this day, we have so many options of things to commit our lives to. As the worship team comes up, we'll, we'll close here. We have so many different things that we can commit ourselves to in this world. There are no shortage of things trying to pull for our attention or our affections or our money. Everywhere you go, you find advertisements trying to get you to buy something or to do something. Everybody's telling you, this: if you, if you had this, life would be better. It is easy for us in this day to be committed to one cause and then shortly after that we're on to the next thing. We have to understand the significance of devotion. We have to understand the significance of, as the psalmist said, again, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. That we would be people that every single day when we wake up, that we would devote our heart to keeping the decrees of God to the very end. You see, it has to be a conscious decision that we make on a daily basis. This isn't just something where I make that decision when I receive salvation and I'm good to go. You see, this requires our intention and devotion on a daily basis every single day, that I would make the decision that my heart is going to be set on or devoted to the principles of God. I'm going to walk in those. If I have a moment where I fail, I'm going to get up and continue walking. It takes our thought. It takes our effort. This is not something that we just tell you because Christians say you have to read the Bible. That's not what this is. This is where life is found. I'm not saying the words on the page themselves. They, you have to be walking in the Spirit because the Word of God comes alive through the Spirit. There's more to it than just reading words on a page. But what I'm telling you is that God has given us His Word to understand who He is, to understand how He desires to relate to us, to understand how He wants us to relate to the world around us. He has given us everything that we need in His Word. It requires our devotion. 
I'm not saying that every person has to be a scholar. That's not what I'm... I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that you have to get up tomorrow and spend four hours in the morning studying the Word of God. That's not what I'm saying to you. But if we... I guess... Only you know in your heart if you value the Word of God the way the Bible tells us that we should value it. Only you know that. I can't say that for you. I have no idea if you... There could be somebody who reads it every day and doesn't actually value it. There are people who are professors in colleges that teach on it and they don't value it. Only you know. In the depths of our heart, Only you know if you are devoted, if you value God's word that way. It's not based on whether you read 30 minutes or 4 hours a day. It's not based on that. But do you actually value it? Do you make it your worldview? Do you allow it to influence you and instruct you and give you refreshment? Do you see it as something that preserves you? If not, you need to think through the priorities. Not just so you can be a good Christian, but so that you can know the creator of the universe and his desires for you. So he can instruct you how to live here. So he can light your path so that you don't stumble. That is what he wants to do today. God, we thank you again today for your word that you have given us to instruct us, to teach us what it means to walk with you, to walk in relationship with you. Father, help us to be people that would value your word above everything else in life. Father, that we would devote ourselves to your teaching, understanding that it is the light that helps us to understand how to walk without stumbling in you. It is by your strength. It is by your wisdom. It is not by our own. Father, help us to be people that would understand your desires for the world around us by your word, that when we see things going on around us, we see people rioting, we see people committing injustice against others, see viruses that really I don't think anybody understands. When we see those things, Father, that we would respond out of your wisdom and not our own. Father, we love you today. It is in your name we pray. Amen.